0: All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to worship God. Think about it for a second. What's going on in your mind right now? What are you thinking about? What are you focused on? If you were beginning to make, you know, in the Old Testament, when they, when they met with God, they went up to the tent of meeting or the temple. In some cases, they made that journey from miles around i mean even when the tent of meeting when you have several million people camped if you're going to actually assemble at a place there's there's a bit of a journey from where you are to where you begin to worship actually that that journey is happening every time we gather it may not be physical may not be geographic other than coming to this church but right now you're in a place in terms of your orientation in terms of your focus and got to say come and worship me and so let's begin to do that let's begin to shut down all the other programs you know the what am i doing after church program what i need right now program what's going on to the person left and right what am Let's, let's shut those things down and just begin to say, Lord, I need you today. I need the breath of God to blow over my soul, to breathe into my being today. Father, we say in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to draw near to you. Lord, we come today not to fulfill a duty, but to meet with life. Lord, renew our strength today. Renew our strength today, Lord. Holy Spirit, we give you rule. We give you place. We say release your power in our midst today. In Jesus' name. You know, as we are pressing in in worship, Tyson's going to come and share here right away. But we are are attempting to apprehend a knowledge that is greater than us. You know, Paul prays specifically in a number of times in Ephesians. He says, This is what I labor for in prayer for you, that the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you could see what is available to you. And as we are leaning into the presence of God, it's it's part worship and part a cry. That, Lord, we want to see. We want to see. Lord, we want to see. We want to see. We are leaning into your presence. We're leaning into what you've provided for us. We ask that you would open our eyes.
1: So I was reading the word this morning and the scripture came up in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who loved him. So I started to pray about this. And so I know we say we put God in a box all the time. So I started thinking about all the amazing things God had done through scripture, whether it was Elijah pouring down fire from heaven or... Moses, being able to see God, seeing the back of God. But Paul even said, there's things I've seen that I can't even write about because it'll blow your mind. But then he writes right there that no mind can imagine the greatness of our God. And this is just the things that God has for us. So I want you to just open your mind right now and just think about all the amazing things he has done. Take them out of that box. Just think about fire falling from heaven when Elijah calls it down or water turning into wine or water turning into blood whatever it is think about it and then realize that God is bigger than that he's even that what we can just open our minds to is so much smaller than what God even is so even if you think about we're giving him glory today if you think about what the throne room is and how it's described it's so much greater than that Moses saw the back of God and that And he can't even imagine or comprehend. It says, no eye has seen or ear heard. He heard the voice of God, and yet he can't even imagine what God is like. So, Father, I ask right now that you would give us a bit of a revelation more. God, that our minds would just be opened a little bit more, God, to imagine your glory, Father, so that we can worship you, Lord, so that we can give you the glory that you actually deserve, God, so that we can take you out of this box and think all these things that I always think about healings are things that can happen, but something physical can't actually happen. But God, you could take this building with us in it right now and place it anywhere you wanted because you're so amazing. So God, I just ask that you would open our minds, God, that we would be able to imagine a little bit more of what you're like and that we would be able to
0: understand a little bit more of your knowledge and your glory, God. Amen. This is the capstone of our worship. That he will reign. We declare that you will reign, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that we will be the first to bow we will be the first to confess that every part of our being will acknowledge you as king and say i will have this man to rule over me can you just find a way to say that right now declare it over your being reign over me Jesus reign over me reign over my mind reign over my desires reign over my heart reign over me reign over me I say with my tongue let this mind be in me which was in Christ Jesus reign over me Lord There's a process going on in our lives right now. It's a process that's parallel to what Israel had when they left Egypt. They left the world. They left captivity. But they weren't finished. Just because they left the world, there was a promise to be had. There was a promise to be gained. And it was outlined in this principle. Every place on which your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. But your foot must tread upon it. And that's the journey of your life, where inches and feet at a time, you are gaining mastery, you are subduing the land that is your soul, the land that is your mind, the land that is your being. You are bringing every unruly thought, unruly desire under the auspices of the Holy Spirit. You are saying, in Jesus' name, Jesus will reign. But it's not just enough to think about it it's not just enough to desire it it's not just enough to acknowledge hey that's that's a good idea james says your tongue is a rudder for the ship that is your being that means what you say now say to yourself serve the lord love the lord submit to the lord Father, we choose this day to come under your authority. You will reign. Thank you, Father. Holy Lord. Oh, your kingdom come. Just take a few more minutes. Your kingdom come. Lord, we are reaching into you. Lord, like Jacob who wrestled Lord, we want the blessing of your kingdom, which is when you rule over us. When everything comes under the authority of the King, let everything that has breath praise Him, worship you. We worship you, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Everything that has breath, we'll praise him. We'll worship him. Everything. Everything. Lord, we want your workmanship in our lives. Let me tell you something as we shift from our worship here today that I'm not up here as the pastor telling you you need to be better because I have no doubt that you've tried. And what is happening instead is God is wanting to reign, rule over you. It's interesting in the English we have two words, reign and reign. They sound the same, but they're spelled differently. When you reign a horse, R-E-I-N, you restrain. You pull it back and reign to rule over, R E I G N, reign. Lord, we reign over me and reign me. I'm not here trying to be better. I'm here to see the manifestation of your kingdom through me because you have ruled over me and you have reigned in my flesh so i agree with this process lord and in a few minutes i'm going to talk about this process because today i believe many of us are in the midst of a process that we haven't really understood and as some of you may feel today you are at the end of your rope i'm telling you when you come to the end of your rope there is another rope and that's the point the faster you come to the end of your rope the better we don't want more rope. We want another rope. So if you're coming to the end of your rope, good on you. Celebrate, rejoice. Hallelujah, because resurrection is near. Amen. You know, if you were if you were an apprentice and you were going to 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 learn to weld and you were being taught by a professional welder, a journeyman, you know, somebody who is, you know, master at this job and they were saying, Listen, this is how you do it. Uh, and, you know, you're there, you're, you're doing your first few welds. Would you purposely do it a different way? Right there? Probably not, right? You, at the very least, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, he's doing this. I mean, I'm pretty bright, but he's doing this a little bit longer than me. I think I'll do what he says. You know, we do that. We acknowledge, we recognize... Uh, expertise and skill we recognize expertise and skill and we honor that and partially because we don't want to lose our jobs which fair enough but you know i notice that that there are certain reluctance when it comes to spiritual things it seems there's this lawlessness that you know what my opinion is equal to your opinion and everybody's opinion and you know what wisdom wisdom is justified of its children what that means is this: is that the fact? Well, let me go back to this. Who's that guy who says uh, the, the the counselor guy used to be on Oprah all the time? What's his doctor Phil? You know when he says he's counseling, how's that working for you? You know, how's that working for you? What he's trying to overcome is this: I I have a way of doing things. It's my way. It's my culture. It's my thought. And he's like, how's that working for you? And uh, the way that God has structured the kingdom of God. Is when we get stuck, when we get, you know, we, when we decide our way is the way we're going to do it, he's really saying, okay, uh, you'll stay there for a while, you're camped out there, how's that working for you? And you'll come back every, you know, couple of months. How's that working for you? How's it? When you become a new Christian, you know, there's this readiness, oh, you know, I'm just ready to shift, I'm just ready to shift, I'm just ready to shift. But after, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. And I'm fitting in, you know, got most of the charismatic. Structures there, you know, hallelujah, praise Jesus. You know, not so much overt sin anymore. And now it's like, yeah, you know, and the willingness to come under starts to slip. It's like, well, that's probably good for you, Pastor Mark. But, you know, I'm I'm not very talkative. I don't want to say Jesus is Lord. You know, well, I was going to say it until you said say it. You know what that is? That is something that God is trying to kill. That is something that God is trying to rule over. Why is it embarrassing for us as adults to do what we're told? Why is that such a shameful thing? I was in a, and this is not my message, so this is for free. I was, I, I started writing an article because I was in a business lounge uh, a, like a month ago, and I was sitting there, and there was this family, and there was two young kids and then there was a kid that was a teenager and they're going out the dad's already gone out the door and they're going to catch their flight and the mom's you know collecting him and the one kid that's like 14 years old he's uh he's you know he's got that going on you know he's like yeah i'm i'm you know i'm my own man here well he doesn't respond doesn't do anything doesn't get off his, his phone, he just, but I, I look at him, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. The kids, the younger kids, they're obeying mom, they're, and he's like pretending, pretending like he doesn't need to be in a hurry. And and I, I, I thought, oh, man, that is such ugly pride. So he's waiting, and I see he's dragging his feet and dragging his feet. Finally, the mom and the other kids leave, and he's there, and I can see him. He's like this, watching him go out, and then he slowly starts to pack up his stuff, you know. And it, it's it's like the image is I'm my own man here. And everybody else in the in, in in the lounge say, "You wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for your parents," and we all know that. You're the only one that is dreaming this dream, <laughs> and I just thought. That rabid independence, I got to, I'm a free moral agent. Well, you are a free moral agent. You are free to look bad if you want to. But you know what? That thing doesn't go away just because you become an adult. It just becomes more sophisticated. It becomes, uh, we get better at finding expressions that are culturally acceptable in our world and, and that, that thing chameleonizes itself into other expressions. And here's, here's what I want to come to. That the Holy Spirit is coming to our lives and saying, I will have my inheritance. I will have my inheritance. And when God is looking at us, he's saying, do you want to be a part of my inheritance? Because I will have my inheritance. And the fact is, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, I am going to master every single cellular resistance that's in creation. I am going to rule over everything. Nothing, nothing will go unruled over. And what distinguishes us as Christians is not that, hey, we're great. It's that we've submitted to a process where we said, rule over me. And maybe at first we thought, oh, man, you know, a couple of months and I'm going to be, you know, in there. Just, we're, we're good, you know. I'm, you, know just, you know, there's still a few things, I'm telling you, and what... What God is doing is he's after the nitty-gritty. You see, what we do, we survive by hiding those impulses. And God is saying, I'm the hiding-go-seek master. I am after, you know, all of the hidden nuances of rebellion in your life. I am not going to relent. I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to stop this process. This is what it's about. I am going to crush rebellion. I'm gonna bring, you know, there's a verse, and I was gonna look for it. Maybe somebody knows it. Paul, Paul says this He says, It says, according to the power by which he is able to subdue all things to himself, that there is a working, there is a there is a manifestation of power and grace in God that's at work in you, and the goal of that that manifestation of power is subdue everything. Subdue, subdue, subdue. So, you know, for young people. Sometimes we think, man, I just can't wait till I'm an adult. Then I can do what I want. Hey, adults, does that ever come? Has that ever? Are we there yet? I'm still not there. Now I do have more latitude, but hey, I'm married. What does that mean? That means you're accountable. You are always accountable. And you know, you may feel. I remember sometimes, you know, thinking that things were happening to me that weren't happening to others. Like, as a kid, I was driving in the car. We'd always, we didn't have air conditioning, so we drove with the windows down. And I thought, every time another car goes by, we get this sound thrown at us. And I thought, I thought why is it always us? And then, you know, I got a little older. I thought, maybe, it's, maybe they're getting it too. You know, when you get into a marriage, right, and you, you're, you're actually having to consider that other person. And, it's you know, sometimes it's just, uh, why is it always me? But the fact is, they're having to do the same thing. There is no escaping accountability. There's no escaping. This notion of one day I'm going to be free. It's this childish notion of freedom of responsibility. There, There is not such thing. And especially in the kingdom of God, it is non-existent. Because we are all under authority. And the process of God is to... One of the processes is to root out the The resistance. resistance. God is rooting out the resistance. Ah. So, I just want to put that out there. Because let me tell you, you can run and you can hide. But no no matter where you run and where you hide, the hound of heaven is being released to bring a subjugation of every force inside of you that's trying to create independence because in his kingdom there can be only one one king one lord of all and this is very real this is this is you know underneath all the i'm a great christian what god is after is that that thing you think well you know i mean does at one point is it is it completely gone i don't know I'm not there yet. It may be less obvious in some than it is in others, but it's something that God is after. So, Father, we want to say today, we want to submit to this process. We want to have you rule over us, that we believe uh, as a precept of our faith that blessing and honor comes with those who come under the King of Kings, that we who bow our knee to you willingly today Lord, get to share in the wonder of your kingdom that is due you. So, Father, we give you permission to change us. In Jesus' name. Now, lest you become discouraged, let me just say this. And this is what I'm gonna, I want to get into. I sort of gave a little title to this. Is what does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be Christian? I have all these imageries in my mind but what it means to be Christian is this is you recognize that you are called you are living to bring a manifestation of Jesus Christ and when you really commit to that journey it's because you realize that your life is either going to be a manifestation of some form of you or it's going to be a manifestation of Jesus And if you understand the kingdom of darkness at all, the enemy exploits every manifestation of you. You know what I'm saying? It's like the matrix. Remember the matrix? I hope some of you haven't seen it. Derek, have you seen the matrix? Yeah, yeah, you have. Good. (laughs) Uh, uh, The matrix, when he's describing the matrix, okay, he said anybody who's not detached from the system potentially becomes an agent. Now, if you haven't seen the matrix, this is not going to make any sense to you. But... But the point is this, is that in the kingdom of darkness, anything that is not under his rule becomes a door for the manifestation of the kingdom of darkness. That's the principle. So when God is after us to resign something, it's not because, yeah, I will be king. I'm going to put my foot down. I want to grind you into submission. It's, It's all motivated by love. He said, listen, you don't understand. That tiny little reservation, that tiny little area that you're holding back for me, you know, that's the one place where the kingdom of darkness will manifest. Because he has a skill to exploit what you perceive to be independence because that's that's his kingdom. That's what created his fall. He wanted that kind of independence. And he said, I will make myself like the most high. I will ascend. I will. And so like the, like the first liar, he becomes the father of liars. He rules over all other liars. Anybody who wants to be independent in that same way, he automatically rules over that. And the picture of the kingdom of, of, of authority and the kingdom of God is like this. You remember when Jehu was coming and he was anointed by the prophet to come and kill Jezebel and Ahab, and he's coming to bring the judgment of God. And they send out messengers from the city. And as they send out messengers from the city, I mean, this messenger sent from the king of, and the queen of the land, right? And here's Jehu running along. And it's, you know, he's writing ferociously. And he's coming along and the writer comes out and says, Is it peace? He, and he just says something like, You know, what is peace? Get behind me. And he says, Okay. And he just sort of snaps to grid. He just kind of comes in behind. Ooh, you know. He speaks as one having authority. Never mind. The king and queen just sent me to do this and I'm coming back responding to them. I, he was quickly overruled by another authority. And this is the way kingdom authority works. Whatever is in you that agrees with the kingdom of darkness, that thing snaps to grid as soon as that word is spoken. It works for the kingdom of light, and it works for the kingdom of darkness. So that's why Jesus said this, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So he's going to come and he's going to say, you know, do this, but there's nothing in me that will respond to him. He's got no ground on which to stand. Nothing will respond to him. And so what God is doing in our lives is saying, you know, are you my servant? Yes, I'm your servant. Are you my servant? Yes, I'm your servant. Are you my servant? Yes. Well, we'll see. And he comes and he he allows temptation to come to see what what responds. Okay, that that thing that responded in you, that's, that's where we need to work. What is that thing inside of you? But it's not introspection for the sake of, you know, condemning you. It's introspection for the sake. This is the place, if you really want freedom, this place where you respond to the voice of the enemy, that's where you're not free. The place you think you're most free is the place that you're actually not free. Does that make sense? We are in this journey, and we are looking to manifest God but we are working from largely a, an imperfect foundation. Now, how do I explain this? Let me, let me try and be clear. When you became born again, how many of you know what being born again means? It, what it means is your spirit became one with God's spirit. So before you were born again, your spirit was there but it was non-functional because your spirit was made to operate with God's spirit. It's like one of those sci-fi movies where they find this wreckage of an old alien ship, you know, Independence Day, and all of a sudden the mother alien ship comes back and this thing comes to life suddenly. Because why? It's connected to that, that thing. So your spirit was made to connect with God. When you become born again, suddenly this part of you that was not alive, not functional, boom, comes alive. In that thing is a source of power. Let, let, me read about, let me read about that. I mean, that same scripture I was reading earlier, here's, here's the journey of faith. And this can get very complicated. I've, I have a bunch of scriptures from Romans and Ephesians that I want to share with you, but some of which you already know. The one from Corinthians, I think it was, that uh, Tyson shared earlier, is, is really, really powerful. But here's another one. Paul is praying for the believers. He said, verse 15 of chapter 1 in Ephesians, "'Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers,' And what is he praying for them about? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So he said, listen, the whole th- your whole journey as a Christian is, oh, I got to act better. I got to behave. I got to, di- you know, sometimes that's what we, we we live in the realm of behavior. I got to do this. I got to do this. But what we don't realize is behavior is subject to other laws. That behavior manifests because of other laws that are at work. And we think, well, your willpower is so central to that. Your willpower is not that central. Your source of power that operates through your heart is what's central. So, Paul is saying, listen, if you could get a revelation, if you could see the power that's in God, that's actually at work in you, if you could see that, something will change. If I just see how much power is in him, then automatically I change? Yeah, automatically you change. Because that's what faith does. Faith Faith is the lever that draws either from one side or the other side. Faith causes you to draw from the flesh, the strength, your human strength, your will to be good, your desire to be good, etc., etc., etc. Or it draws from the unspeakable power that is available, that's beyond your imagination. And what Paul's trying to say: What are you doing? Drawing strength from this, this this rope that always comes to an end. There is a capacity that's in him to do everything that you've ever thought necessary. And what? Ha- well, what's happening then when I come to the end, when I'm tired, when I'm ready to quit? God is just showing to you that the source that you're drinking from, what you're taking from, is not sufficient. He's not saying, bad Christian! That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Wrong focus. You are drawing from the wrong source of power. And the very fact that it keeps running out is is evidence. It's like running your camera from batteries and you keep after switching batteries, and you got the cable there that can plug into the wall. You know, and somebody says, Why don't you just plug it into the wall? Why don't you just go to the unending source? You know you won't need the batteries but I have this default setting that makes me draw from my own batteries well why do you want to do batteries I don't know I just feel freer I just when I do it I feel like I've really done something see this this is this thing is going on well in your conscious mind, you're not trying to do that. You just do it automatically. It is the default setting of your life. So God is, God is trying to get you to not trust that thing anymore and not want that thing. But you are built, the, so the fallen nature, the orientation of sin is to draw from your own strength. That's what you do. That's what I do. And only when I become thoroughly convinced that that is no good anymore, then I, then I shift. But I don't shift totally. I shift in increments. I shift 1% at a time or in marginal degrees. And so I have to keep going through these places of finding, oh, I can't do anything. And God's like, good. Now I can show you what I can do. But what does it take to come to the place where, "Ah," I don't know. For my wife, it was five children and a husband who traveled a lot and other things. What has God constructed in your life? What See, everything that brings you to the end of your rope is not punishment. It's grace. Everything that God is doing to make you depend on Him and not become self-sufficient is from Him. It's what He's trying to do. He's trying to... Because, because that default setting... And let me read what I actually... Default. What is a default? A pre-selected option adopted by computer program or other mechanism when no alternative is specified. So the default is what you go to for strength. And your being is made to trust yourself. Trust yourself. Father, I want to release the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I release you to begin to hover over the depths of the waters of our, of our being and divide the waters. Holy Spirit, we release you to come and to begin to show us the power that's available in you, the power to manifest righteousness. You haven't called us to do righteousness, but to be righteous. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release your Holy Spirit even as you have been bringing so many to the end of their rope, and that confusion and that disheartening, you know, atmosphere, that that depression maybe that sometimes comes, that all of those things are simply manifestations of you trusting your own strength. And we say, Holy Spirit, reveal to us the power that is available. Reveal to us the power that is available now in first john it says this it says do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world and the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So one of the messages that God is giving us through this is simply this, is that, is that there is nothing in the world, there's nothing that your flesh has access to other than the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. I was just talking to somebody the other day, and but they were, we're, they're talking about, you know, their disposition and they were talking about how the pride of life is is a motivator. It's it's kind of what drives them to, to achieve. How many of you ever picture yourself on that amazing motorcycle that was uh, you saw in a commercial, oh wouldn't that be great? Drive that motorcycle, vroom, vroom, vroom. And then I'd, of course they need those leather pants and that leather and that helmet that image oriented, oh, I just want to look like that. That's the pride of life. Does that mean you can't like motorcycles? No. No, that's not what we're talking about. It's a question of catalyst. What is your default? What are you drawing from? What motivates your behavior? What is going on? See, God is actually saying, listen, I need to be the source. I want to be the source of everything you do. In me, you live and move and have your being. I want you to draw from me. I want you to draw from me. Now, the... This is, a, this is a really important truth here. It's perhaps the most important truth. Just close your eyes for a second. You know, we are, we are so Facebook-oriented, we quickly want to go to the next page. Maybe some of you are texting already, looking at your phones. There's an opportunity right now for the Holy Spirit to do something in our lives. Holy Spirit, we want to give you the depths of of our heart father we ask for grace right now we ask for grace right now okay you can open your eyes i'm going to read some passages in romans romans is one of those complicated books because paul is trying to articulate something that's very tough to articulate he's trying to cut down to the source of where you get your power He's trying to define, give a language to drawing from one side or versus the other side. And he's trying to explain it to a people who don't even understand that their choice is being made, that they have a default, that there's something below their mind, below their emotions, where their life is really happening. You see, and this is part of the confusing thing for us as Christians. When you're going through, you know, you're raising the kids, you're tired all the time, you're frustrated, you're, you're feeling broken, you want to give up. It's like, how could God be in that? Because he's trying to get at something you didn't even know was there. Why? To give you life. And so he's he's depleting your energy, and he's trying to bring you to the source of your power. Let me read a couple of passages here in uh, Romans. I'm going to turn to it because I underlined it in my... I'm going to start with Romans chapter 8. Now, Romans chapter 8 comes right after Romans chapter 7. Now what is the most important scriptures in Romans chapter 7? I'm glad you asked. It's the one where Paul says the good that I would do I cannot and the evil I would not do that I do. So he's articulating this this problem that I I try to do good and I'm doing this. I don't have enough energy to do good. I can't I can't do what I need to do and everything I'm trying to suppress I can't, you know, and what He's, he's trying to say, listen, your whole life is in sin management. You're trying to manifest righteousness, which you don't have, and you're trying to suppress evil, uh, and you're all doing that through the wrong power source. So you're trying to do that, and he's saying, this is impossible. I can't do it. How, how am I going to get free from this? And he says, thanks be to God that he's going to deliver me. And that's the promise. I won't read all of chapter 7. But here's where chapter 8 begins, So this is the answer. Therefore there, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right, so what does that mean? If you are walking according to the Spirit, will you sin? No. No. If you are actually doing this, you can't sin. And this is what 1 John is all about. 1 John, it says, you know, the one who does this, all right, and says he has no sin is a liar, you know, if you hate your brother then you're, and say you love God, you're a liar because you can't hate your brother and love God. These two are incompatible. If you love God, you can't hate your brother. See, and what he's saying, listen, if you were fully engaged in this kingdom, this kingdom could not manifest. But our problem is we are engaged incrementally. And so what he's saying here is that if you walked fully by the Spirit, there's no condemnation. Now... The world is already condemned. Sin is condemned, right? So he's saying, if you walk by the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, there's no condemnation. But if you, if you walk in the lusts of the flesh, if you manifest, there's condemnation. It's not about whether you deserve condemnation or whether God wants to condemn you. He's saying, he's saying look, at all of this stuff over here This is condemned already. This is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He says, I didn't come to condemn you. The world is already condemned. So what he's saying is come up out of this because I'm offering this. He's not saying, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If you love Jesus in your heart and ask him in your heart, there's no condemnation. No matter how you live. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, you have an opportunity by the Spirit to come to another plane. To be different. Yeah, but how do I do that? I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying and I can't. He said, well, one day you're going to stop believing and you're trying and you're going to shift. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do that. No, no, no. you can't. <laughs> You're trying again. You're trying to not be dependent on the flesh. You're trying to not depend on yourself. How do you do that? See, it's automatic. What you believe in, you draw from. So if in your heart you believe on some primal level that you can be good, you automatically draw from that. When you run out of energy, then you shift. So you take that much, you know, well, I only believe in myself this much. It's less and less and less. But if that's, that's the go-to. What you believe in is what you go to. Our default is we believe in ourselves, so we try to be good, we try, we try, we try until that shift happens where you don 't believe that anymore now, i don 't understand that some of you are saying i don 't understand how does that happen it 's not something you do you are you are like a cake in the oven when it 's baked it 's done, and the and the baker pulls it out. God has got you in a situation where he 's trying to bring an end to certain things in your life you know, the the uncooked dough of your life. He's cooking it. Well, what should I do? Nothing. You're in it right now. You're in the thing. He began a good work. He is completing it. Well, what is the thing? He's cooking you. Well, what do I do in the meantime? Just acknowledge the truth. That he loves you. But evidently, you believe in yourself because you keep manifesting sin. And you really don't believe his love. Oh, you know, I do believe his love. Well, okay, lie to yourself. That's what John was trying to say. Listen, you say you love God, but you keep having a hard time with your brothers and sisters. Yeah, but I love God. No, you don't. He's saying, to the degree that you can't love your brothers and sisters, you don't love God. Yeah, but when you say that, that makes me feel bad. That also is from the flesh. Well, how do I change that? You can't. You are in a divine process that God began and God's going to finish. The only thing you can do is decide to stay in the race. Stay in the journey, not give up, not quit. That's all you can do. Because this righteousness, this thing that he's called us to be, he said, be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Oh, yeah, well, that's a little up there. Let's lower the bar a little. Because you want me to feel good about myself, right? No, it's not about you feeling good about yourself. It's about me completing something in you where you only believe in me. Where you only believe in my power. And the whole message of Romans is that there's a law that works in your flesh that as soon as you try to live in your flesh it you produces sin as soon as you do it. Well, how do I not do that anymore? He say it right here, "For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death." For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Wow, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled if I walk in the Spirit. Well, what if I walk on walk the flesh? Then you, then you feel condemnation. Not because somebody says, hey, it's bad to hate people. Oh, you're condemning me. Stop judging me. No, it's already out there. God has already drawn the line. This is the evidence you're living in this world. This is the evidence you're living in this world. And what I'm, the only thing God is saying is acknowledge the truth of the evidence that's around you. If you love the truth, you, the truth will set you free. But we, you know, we're trying to be good. We're trying to live this way. We're trying to manifest righteousness. We end up doing just like Paul, re- revealing the very things and living the very things we don't want to do. And, and somebody here today has said, listen, just pretend that that's not happening. If you just believe God loves you, then automatically you're magically over here. No, 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 you're not it's not a question of salvation it's a question of what are you manifesting when you feel that overflow of wickedness that James talks about where you're angry you're upset at your brother you're wanting you resent people etc etc he's saying listen that's the evidence that there's a trust issue you believe you're trying to be good you're trying to and what you're actually revealing is everything you're trying not to do why? Because ultimately it's a faith issue. Now, I'd like to read all these scriptures in Romans 8 and Romans 7, but I, I think it'd be a waste right now. But let me say this one other scripture that he leads to when he gets to Romans. He says, Whatsoever is not born of faith is sin. Why, why is he saying that? Because what God's doing in you is trying to build faith in him. Everything else, if you trust yourself, and you always trust yourself out of an absence of faith in Him, then you draw from this other world. Doesn't mean matter how sincere you are. Doesn't matter any of that. So right now, today, we are in this process, and some of us are thinking, "Man, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it." I don't. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can be hopeful. I don't. I don't know if I. You know. I mean, I don't like people. I don't like, like people touching me. I don't like people in my life. And yet the Bible says I should love them. So what I'm doing is I'm creating a lifestyle where I don't have to touch them too much. Yeah, that's the solution. Guys say no. The solution is. There is an ocean, of love that your spirit has access to and you are not using. Because there's this misplaced confidence that you can do this. And You know, some, I remember when I first heard this message, I thought, I thought, oh yeah, what I need to do then is convince myself that I don't trust myself anymore. Yeah, that's it. Because if you pretend really hard, God will be fooled. The beauty of this is, is there's, it's not about eternity. It's not about whether you go to heaven or not. You are already children of God because he's doing this in your life. Because he's dividing these waters. Because he's separating your strength between, from his. Because he's dividing between soul and spirit. That's the evidence that you are his You are his because you're in this process and he's killing your flesh. That's the evidence that you are his. That's what you take comfort in. Superficially, we can say, I'm loved, therefore I don't have to go through this process. No, you're missing the point. I'm loved, therefore I can go through the process and not feel like a success or a failure or worthy of eternity or not worthy of eternity based on whether I do the one or the other. I'm free. I'm truly free because I'm loved. How you doing? I believe there's a witness of the Spirit of God here to say, listen, it's okay that you're in this process. It's okay that your flesh is being killed. It's okay that these things are coming to the surface. It's okay because that's the evidence that you are your child's daughter. I mean, your father's daughter, your father's son is that these things are happening. And on the other hand, for some people here today, I feel it's like the husk of this thing is thick and the Holy Spirit's trying to penetrate a, a level, a place in your heart. And I feel the hardness of that. And what's on the other side of that is fear. Fear that if this is true... I'm disqualified, that if this is true, I'm going to lose some place I feel I have, maybe. I'll lose the confidence that God will give me good things or be a good father to me. That fear is not helping you. It's helping keep the father's hand out of that area of your life. Fear is our greatest enemy. Not death, not war, not drugs, not lust. Fear. Fear. Fear empowers self-preservation. Fear empowers self-reliance. Fear keeps us from the great ocean of God's abilities. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that the power of fear will be broken off of our lives we say in the name of jesus let the power of fear be broken off of the lives of the children of god in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we target fear in the hearts of god's children holy spirit penetrate 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 These enclaves of fear.
2: Uh, So I just feel like the Lord's wanted me to share uh, this story, this practical experience that I had regarding capacity. So when I first had three kids, like when I had two kids, I thought I was actually a really awesome dad. And I thought that my selfishness reg had been quite wrung out. And so I was actually quite proud. I'm a good dad of two kids. Seriously, this is how I felt in my heart. And um, I thought I was really ready for three. And, and then we had three, and I was outnumbered. And I remember about three months into it, I had this child coming up. I was laying on the floor. I was home a lot. This child came up to me. This child, And there was this struggle going on because the truth was I had no capacity to actually handle three children. But I really thought I did. Like, I was convinced I'm a great dad. And there came a moment that all three kids kind of converged on me. And I literally, I was fed up. Um, The reality was blasting me. and, And I got up and went to the bathroom and shut the door. And I remember, I think out loud, I was like, Oh, I just need my own space. Like, oh, I just need a second to breathe. Oh, and so there was this conflict of what i thought i was capable of and what the truth was hitting me and i remember sitting there and i remember i just heard god say this is what you have now and from now till forever if you're looking for strength I've deposited and this is right now what I'm saying isn't about being a parent or having kids but this is what he said in this scenario your strength I've put in time with your children if you want a breath you go in the middle of all of that and you don't have the capacity and it's like I accepted in that moment that I literally can't do this but he's like now get out there and I remember there was a, a literal shift in my capacity because it was, a, it was a decision to accept that I couldn't. But he told me that my treasure was there. My treasure, my breakthrough was in the midst of that scenario that I absolutely couldn't overcome. So,
0: Just let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to you. What Ben has touched on is important because... What we have in this wealthy society is we have the capacity to put off the very pressures that God has brought into our life to bring us to an end. We have the capacity to choose how many kids, how many friends, uh, what kind of job, where to live. We are so much in control of so much circumstances. We just take on the level of circumstance we think we are capable of living in, and we end up cutting ourselves off from the great abundance that God has for us. So we're saying today, Lord, we're stopping. We're not going to control. We're not going to control the conditions of our life anymore. We're not going to try to live within our capacity anymore. We give you permission to overwhelm our capacity so that we can find your capacity. And that's the re- Can you give the Holy Spirit permission today to overwhelm your capacity? Because I'm telling you, you will come into something else. If there's anybody who has any godliness in their life right now, it's because God overwhelmed their capacity and they, be- they tapped into something else in that area of their life. And the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, I want you to save a dying, a dying world. I want you to think about a dying world. Well, Lord, I, I can't hardly think about right now my kid, beyond my four kids or my three kids or my two kids. I can't think beyond getting enough money to live next week. And God is saying, listen, there is a capacity. There is a capacity in me for you to go way beyond the margins of where you're living right now. There's a capacity in me right now. I'm trying to break the barriers, to bring you into my capacity. Oh, Holy Spirit, more, more Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to know what this power is that is available in you. We're making a decision. We're not going to live behind the walls that we have created to preserve us. We're not going to live behind the walls that make us feel safe. We're not going to live behind those walls anymore. Those walls are prison bars. We thought they were there to keep us safe, but they've imprisoned us. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit.